0: Thank you for tuning in to Living Life with Purpose, a ministry of Florida Bible Church in Miramar, Florida. At Florida Bible, we believe that life is preparation for eternity and hope this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. More information about Florida Bible can be found at
1: www.floridabible.org. Now, you were singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Do you mean what you're saying? All right, now we're going to test that in a moment, so be careful. I can get tricky up here. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Now, we've been studying over the last several weeks, and we've been interrupted a couple times, but we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. In a, title, a sermon title, that we're, we're talking about the Holy Who, because so many people really don't know who the Holy Spirit is. They know a little bit about God. They know a lot more about Jesus Christ, but don't really know much about the Holy Spirit. And yet the Bible challenges us in Romans 7-6 to serve, to live, to experience the new way of the Spirit. You know, God, as we have said, has given us an unprecedented opportunity since the fall of mankind into sin. We can have a relationship with God that nobody through the generations since man has been in sin have been able to have. We don't have to follow ceremonies and rules and sacrifices and all that anymore. We can directly relate with God because God lives inside every man, every woman who has trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so we are learning what it means to live this new way of the Spirit. Not to go back to what we used to do and what they used to do in olden days, but to live through the Holy Spirit. See, the problem is that's exactly what so many believers do. They revert back to all those old rules and regulations. Galatians 4.9, but now you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? See, so many people, so many believers still are living out of some sense of, of legalistic obligation. And, you know, we check the box, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, and God's going to get mad at me, and all this kind of stuff. He said, why are you doing that? Jesus died on the cross and and was resurrected in the Holy Spirit's now to give us freedom from those kind of expressions and those kinds of feelings and, and that kind of bondage lifestyle. He says, don't do that. Don't go back there. Well, the reason so many people go back there is because they really don't understand the alternative. And that's what we're trying to explain, that there is an alternative. And so the Spirit says in in Galatians 5.25, Since we live by the Spirit, since we live out of this new opportunity that God has given us, let us then keep in step with the Spirit. Now, last time we were together, we talked about some misunderstandings or misconceptions about what living a spirit-filled life is all about. And some of those were some kind of dramatic experience where, where we kind of almost get zapped from heaven and, 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 and we're shaken and all that. Well, that's not a biblical thing. Uh, or it's some esoteric experience where it's for some believers and not for others. Some have this super kind of relationship with God and some don't ever get it. That's not biblical either. Or that it's a process of progressive indwelling, that, you know, the, the more I'm sincere about God, the more Holy Spirit I'm going to get. No, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we get the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God puts the Holy Spirit in us, the Bible says, as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come in other words guaranteeing that we have become a child of god guaranteeing that we will have eternal life with god so it's not a a process it's it, it is an instantaneous miracle that god performs in our life it's not charging up our spiritual batteries Now, I understand that we get that sense sometimes. We get out there and get beat up all week long in the world and at work and and maybe in in dysfunctional relationships. And we come and we sing some songs like we just sang and it's all exciting and we kind of get pumped up again. But the Holy Spirit's power doesn't drain during the week. And we need to come back and get it filled back up by singing songs and listening to sermons and stuff like that. His power is always, always there. And so today we want to talk about then how do we live spirit-filled lives as we conclude this series The Holy Who. How do we live spirit-filled lives? How do we allow the spirit to have more control of us? Well, remember that we talked about last time that living a spirit-filled life happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to have the controlling interest in our life. In other words, when we just give him every compartment, not just a compartment. So if you're serious about living a spirit-filled life, if you really want to tap into the outstanding opportunity that God offers you today, the first thing you need to do is surrender to it. You need to surrender. You know, so many of us are like a jar that still has its lid on it. Now, you can take a jar with a lid on it, No matter how big, no matter how much volume that jar can hold, if you got the lid on it, you could stand there with a hose or a pitcher all day long and pour water over it and nothing's getting in that jar. Well, some of us live our lives that way. We've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but we put a lid on it. And nothing can get in, nothing can get out because we're limiting the influence and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're, We're not surrendered to that. We're glad that we have forgiveness of our sin and we're glad that heaven's going to be our home but we never develop our relationship with god we never tap into the power of the holy spirit that is ready and available to us every single day and so we need to do that bible says in galatians five twenty five again since we live in the spirit let's keep step with the spirit now what does that mean that means that i have a choice i can do it or i don't have to do it i can take the lid of the jar off or i can keep the lid of the jar on and you have that same choice and you have made that choice in your life. If you're living a spirit-filled life, then you took the jar of the lid off, and you're allowing the spirit to have influence in your life. You may have trusted Jesus Christ, but you've never taken the, the lid of the jar off, and you're still kind of wandering and struggling through the same kind of experience you had before you trusted Jesus Christ. You've got to make the difference. See, it says again in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in what? Conflict with each other. See, we try to live in two worlds. You know, yeah, we want all of God we can get. Oh, it feels good. Sing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. And we mean it. But at the same time, we have these other things here in the old life that we kind of still want to be with. We kind of have a love relationship with them, too. And so what we try to do is we try to straddle both worlds. I'll be over here in God's world for a while, but I'm going to come back over here in the world's world for a while. And we go back and forth, and what happens? We never get peace. We never experience the benefit of living a spirit-filled life because you can't do that. They're two contrary forces. You can't blend them together. They repel each other. You either live in one or you live in the other. And so the first thing you got to do, if you really want to live the life that God has given to you, the opportunity to have a relationship unprecedented in the history of man since man fell into sin, the first thing you got to do is you got to take the lid off that jar and invite him to have that kind of influence in your life. Then once you do that, most of us need to do some emptying. Now we've taken the lid off, and we've said, Okay, God, I get it. I can't live in both worlds, and I've decided I've made a conscious choice that I want to live in your world. I want to do it your way. I want to experience this life that the Holy Spirit can give me. But oftentimes we take the lid off that jar, and what's the jar is full of other stuff. And so we don't have any room in our lives to really allow the Holy Spirit to operate. We're filled up. Our schedules are packed out. We have our resources allocated to other things. We're expending our energy for many other things. And our life is so full of clutter that there's no room for God. We maybe give them an hour on Sunday. Maybe if we're really dedicated, we we, we give them another hour on Wednesday or an hour and a half or or something. But we're not living in the Spirit. We're not living a Spirit-filled life. See, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You were instructed, the Bible instructs us to put away who we used to be. We had a whole series on it recently. We called it Life Swap. It's available at the connection station after or the uh, resource center. But God has made us new creatures, and we're to put away who we used to be and live out of who he has made us. And that, again, is a conscious decision. So we've got to get rid of some things. Some of the things we may need to get rid of is sin. The Bible says in Romans eight thirteen, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, a lot of us struggle with this whole relationship with God because we have some sinful areas of our life that we still want to hold on to. You know, if sin didn't have any satisfaction at all, if it didn't provide anything at all, it wouldn't be a big issue. But sin does provide a momentary excitement. It provides a momentary zip. Sometimes it provides us a little bit of of, of, uh, uh, opportunity to to escape from the land of numb for a second. And we want to act on that. And so we've got this little suitcase, this little compartment of our life that has that behavior in it. For some of us, it might be gluttony. For some of us, it might be spending. For some of us, it might be pornography. For some of us, it might be something. And yeah, we want to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But we want to have this suitcase where we can take a vacation every now and then and just kind of jump back in the world. Well, it's not going to work that way. And you're not going to have peace in life that the Holy Spirit promises. We need to empty ourselves. So I ask you this question today as we're talking about how to live the Spirit-filled life. What in your life is keeping you from giving the Holy Spirit a greater controlling interest of your life. What things, what people, what uh, ambitions, what things are there that are not allowing the Holy Spirit to have more control of your life? As God reveals those things through the Holy Spirit who lives in you, then we're forced with the decision of emptying. And a lot of folks here probably need to empty some things from your life. You're too cluttered. You don't have room for God. You need to take inventory. Things that you have to keep, you got to keep. But things that are just there as clutter, you need to inventory and maybe empty them. Then you'll be ready to connect. See, we got to connect with the Holy Spirit. Now, remember we discovered last time that being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that I have more of the Spirit. What it means is the Spirit has more of me. That's what living the Spirit-filled life is. We don't get more of the Spirit. Everything that we get from God concerning the Spirit, we get the moment we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's all there. What living a Spirit-filled life means is I'm giving more of a controlling interest of my life to the Holy Spirit. It's not getting filled up again. It's living a life connected to that power. Now, a great illustration that I can give you, so that you understand what this means, is a tri-rail train system, like the subways and elevated trains use in major cities. There's actually three rails that are part of this system that drives these trains there are two rails that the wheels of the train sit on that guide the train on its path where it goes. Then there's a third rail. You can see it in the diagram. And that third rail has a protective covering over it. Now, why does it have a protective covering over it? Because there's constantly high-voltage electric current running across that rail all the time. And if you were to fall on the tracks and touch that rail, you'd be fried. So they put a protective covering over the third rail because it's always flowing with high-voltage electricity. Now, what happens is the engineer of that train, when he wants to move the train, flips a lever that connects with that electric rail, and that puts the train in motion. When they want to stop the train, they disconnect from that rail, apply the brakes, and the power's gone, and they can stop the train. Now, our relationship with the Holy Spirit operates much like that. The Holy Spirit's power is always operating. It's always at full force in our life. It's always there. He's never sleeping. He doesn't take a nap. He doesn't come back and visit us periodically. He is always there. But most of our lives are characterized by sometimes us turning the lever and connecting to the third rail, and other times, us disconnecting to the third rail. And we live in both of those worlds. See, living the Spirit-filled life means staying connected to the rail. The Bible says in Romans 8.5, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So again, what is it? God gives us a choice. Isn't God wonderful? He doesn't make us robots and make us the man and just make us do whatever he wants to do. He gives us a choice. He says, whatever you set your mind on is what's going to come out in your life. One of the oldest computer adages out there of all time is what? Garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage information into a computer. You put a faulty uh, software program in. You put faulty hardware into that computer. and What's going to happen? It's not going to work. It's not going to give you the desired result. Well, the same thing is true of our minds. You put garbage in your mind, that's what's going to come out in your lifestyle. That's what's going to come out in your behavior. That's what's going to come out in your sense of relationship with God. It's going to be garbage. It's going to stink, and it's not going to be desirable. So how do you connect? You connect by doing the things that we talk about almost to the point of nausea around here. Are five core values of the church. And I know you get tired of me. Oh, here we go with the five core values again. This isn't some kind of a clever marketing scheme. These are scriptural disciplines that genuine believers who want to live a spirit-filled life and stay connected to that third rail, the Holy Spirit, need to embrace and employ in their life every day. We need to be a friend. What does that mean? We need to surround ourselves. Our chief relationships, our primary relationships would be with, should be with other believers who are serious about staying connected to the third rail. Because there's a whole lot of believers in churches that aren't serious about connecting to the third rail. You don't want to surround yourself with them. You want to surround yourself with the ones who are serious and want to stay connected. Why? Because we encourage each other. We've got to do that. We can't do this alone, we can't do it in isolation. We need friends and we need to be friends to other people so they have support in their life. And together, we encourage each other to stay connected to the third rail. We read God's Word. As we read God's Word, we we give God an opportunity to give us guidance and give us answers to to challenge us. And the more we read His Word, the more we understand about Him. And the more we read His Word, the more we read about the the lives of other believers and how God acted in their life. And so we see how He acts in our life because God never changes. He's consistent. When we pray... We're connected to the Holy Spirit. Remember, one of the, the works of the Holy Spirit is to intercede for us. And one of the ways he intercedes is in prayer. Sometimes our, our trials are so heavy and our burden is so heavy that we don't even know how to pray and the, we can't even get the thoughts out because our minds are, are, just, are, are, are just distracted with so many thoughts. And in those moments, the Holy Spirit will even pray with us on our behalf and, and, and bear witness with God and take our, our true needs to the Lord. When we, share, when we lend a hand, when we work in, in a ministry, see, then we allow the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work, and we're connected to the Holy Spirit because we're doing something good for the kingdom of God. And as we're doing it good, God gets excited when he sees us serving him. And when God gets excited, the Holy Spirit gets excited in us because they're the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When one gets excited, they're all excited. And so we keep God excited in our service, then we sense that excitement because the Holy Spirit lives in us. When we share our story, well, you really want to get the Holy Spirit at working actively in your life? Just talk to other people about your faith. The Holy Spirit will jump in there, and he'll bring recall of verses that you heard years ago to talk and to share with that person or, or experiences that you had or thoughts of how to say and what to say that you would have never been intelligent enough or clever enough to come up with by yourself. See, you stay connected, and then the Holy Spirit does his work, and you receive the joy and the benefits of that. Then, as we're doing that, this is vital. Don't miss this. Write this down if you're taking notes. You've got to learn to listen. You've got to learn to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. The problem is so many of us as believers, and I'm guilty of this too, sometimes we get up and we get in a routine in our daily life. And we get up and you know, brush our teeth, and then you could, you could write down and check off on a chart. Someone could stand there and say, okay, now he's going to do that. Now she's going to do this. Now they're going to do that. And we get in this routine where we're just going through life And we're not listening for God to intervene in any of it. You know, we're walking around, do, 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 And God's, the Holy Spirit's trying to say this, this, that. I need you to talk to this person. I need you to do this. And the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you all day long. And the Holy Spirit will talk to you about minuscule things. It's amazing after each service uh, I've had people just come up to me and say I could tell you this story and that story of how the holy spirit told me to do this And how the holy spirit told me to do that And and, and i'm talking about in simple little minuscule things Like going back into the house and getting out of the car when you're gonna pull out and go into the house to find out A burner's on or or there's something dangerous. The holy spirit will lead us even in the minuscule things He always wants to talk to us. We live our day talking to the holy spirit now, why is that so important? Because it's the Holy Spirit that will help us to fulfill our fifth core value to do the next right thing. How do you know what God wants you to do next in your spiritual walk? What does God want you to do right now? Who does God want you to, to, be, to, have, to build a relationship with? Where does God want you to What ministry is God challenging you to do? All that comes to you through the Holy Spirit. And if you don't recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to miss it. So we have to learn to listen to that voice. And I say, well, what does it sound like? Anybody here who trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior knows what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. You say, well, how do I know? Well, see, one day, you weren't, you hadn't trusted Christ. You were still living under the penalty of your sinfulness. And somehow, you heard the gospel, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes on him will not perish but have eternal life. And someone, a preacher, a radio show, you were reading the Bible, some way that message came to you. And when it came to you, the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, you need this. The Holy Spirit convicted you of your sinfulness. The Holy Spirit convicted you of your need for eternal forgiveness. The Holy Spirit convicted you about being adopted into God's family. And you responded, not intelligently, but you responded spiritually to that invitation. And you trusted Christ. It was the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said again, John six forty four No one comes to me unless my Father draws him to me. And he draws us to him through the Holy Spirit. Now, that same voice will lead you in every area of your life if you will learn to listen for it. That's a vital part of staying connected. You can read your Bible very legalistically, and and the Holy Spirit not even give an opportunity to talk to you. You could pray on your knees until your knees bleed, and you're not really listening back, and it won't do you any good. You've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, also another great thing to do is to imitate I say, well, what should I imitate? Well, there's at least three things the Bible tells us we should imitate in our faith as we stay connected to the Holy Spirit. The first one is the most important, and that's God. Ephesians 5 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. You know, I love to watch. A young child followed their dad around, their mom around. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating? Dad's there working on something, and he's, he's working with a screwdriver and working, and that little son is right next to him with his little plastic screwdriver, standing the same way and, and turning that, the same thing. Mom's working around someplace in the house, and, and she's vacuuming, and right behind her is her little daughter with her little play vacuum, just vacuuming the house or something like that. You know, they love to imitate their parents. Well, we need to love to imitate the supreme parent, God our Father. We need to imitate. Jesus did that. Do you, you realize that? Jesus over and over again said, I don't do these things out of my own will. I, I don't say these out of my own volition. I do what my Father tells me to do. The Holy Spirit was leading him, and he was imitating his Father. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because I imitate the Father. That's I do what the, the Father does. Then the Bible says, tells in Hebrews uh, 13, 7, that we should also imitate leaders. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and what? Imitate, now this is very important, don't miss this. Imitate their faith. Now, the, he's not saying put them on a pedestal. Not saying, you know, worship them. Not saying, you know, look at them in some, some highly inflated light. It's saying, look at their life and imitate the way that they respond to life circumstances. Look at your leaders and see how they respond to to challenges in their own health. Look to your leaders and and see how they respond to, to losing their job, or how they respond to financial struggles, or how they respond in their relationships. Look to your leaders when they are living faithfully. Now, leaders can live just as unfaithfully as anybody else. And I, I could fall tomorrow in, into some grievous sin. And you wouldn't want to imitate that. You would want to say, that's not good. I don't want to imitate that. But as leaders, you don't put them on pedestals, but you imitate their acts of faith, the way they respond. They lose a mom, they lose a dad, and they grieve because we're human beings, but we don't grieve to the place where we sink into the deep depression and where we're paralyzed in life. Also, other believers who are mature and who are connected to the Holy Spirit. It says in Hebrews 6.12, We do not want you to become lazy. In other words, don't disconnect from that third rail and just coast. Don't get lazy about living the Spirit-filled life. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. There are other great men and women of faith in this church. They are mature. They are connected to the Holy Spirit. And why do you know that? Because you see things happening in their life that can only be explained by the Holy Spirit and not who they are. That's the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so you imitate those behaviors, those disciplines, Bible reading, prayer, sharing the faith, serving in ministry. Imitate those things, and they'll help you to stay connected to the Spirit. Now, there's another thing and I really didn't even know what word to use. I struggled with this. I really did. And I prayed and I, I just really just never did settle in on I th- the word that, that to me communicates what I'm trying to communicate. So I came up with two words, trust and risk. Trust and risk. Now, all these things we've talked about can stay in the laboratory of, of philosophy they they won't become real until you engage the Holy Spirit by trusting the Holy Spirit and taking risk that the Holy Spirit will ask you to take. Now understand this. The Holy Spirit's primary purpose in our life is not to make us comfortable. Now, He does. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to guide us through life and to challenge us and to make us more like Christ. To do that, As you begin to listen to the voice of the Spirit, as you stay connected, here's what's going to happen now. I'm going to be honest with you. The Spirit is going to challenge you to do things that you aren't comfortable with. He's going to say, okay, here's how I want you to trust me in this area of your life. And you're going to go, I don't think so. He's going to want you to, to reach out and to take a risk. Maybe it's a change in your life. Maybe it's an alter in a relationship. Maybe it's, it's to witness. I remember being on the airplane, and, and those of you who know me well know that I'm more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. And usually I get on the airplane, I sit down, put my seatbelt on, and open a book. Well, I was on an airplane here a while back, and, and uh, I, I opened a book, and I'm reading, and the seat next to me was vacant, And I, like so many of you, said, oh, Lord, please don't let anybody come sit in that seat. But lo and behold, just as they were getting ready to shut the door, a flight attendant who was hopping the flight came and sat next to me in her uniform. And so, you know, I smiled, opened my book. And we're flying along, we got up to altitude, and the Holy Spirit said, talk to her. I said, no, talk to her don't want to. Talk to her. I'm in a really good part of this book, and it's a spiritual book. <laughs> Talk to her. No. The Holy Spirit just wouldn't let it go. I knew the voice. I knew he was talking to me. Sometimes we just won't listen. We, we don't want to do it. See, because it's a risk. So finally, I closed the book, looked over and said, Hi, I'm Pete. Let me tell you what happened. I kid you not, Within 10 minutes, this flight attendant was bearing her soul to me. She was telling me that she was in a live-in relationship with some guy who didn't appreciate her, who was using her, was abusing her, who she knew was cheating on her and everything else. And she began to just pour out her grief. And I was able for the rest of the flight to talk to her about Jesus and the difference that Jesus could make in her life it was amazing we walked off the plane together and her eyes were still red from the tears that she had shed during the whole flight as we talked about getting her life in balance and and following jesus christ and the, and the freedom that jesus christ could bring to her and we walked down the the uh, the, the corridor together and we walked out into the baggage claim area my brother was out there waiting for her and as we parted she came over and she gave me the biggest hug and kiss on the cheek and my brother went What were you doing on that airplane? (laughs) I didn't want to do it. I was uncomfortable doing it, but the Holy Spirit had a purpose in it. And the Holy Spirit's going to do the same thing with you. You say, oh, I don't think so. If you did it with Jesus, you're going to do it with you, and you did it with Jesus. It says in Matthew 4.1, then Jesus, then, after he was baptized... After Jesus went down into the water and John the Baptist baptized him and and heaven itself opened up and a voice from God echoed down saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And a dove came down and lighted upon him. Immediately after that mountaintop experience, after God validated that Jesus was the son of God, that he was the Messiah come to bring remission of sins and, and forgiveness of sin to the world. Then, immediately after that, it says Jesus was led by who? The Spirit, to go in the wilderness to be what? Tempted by the devil. How many of you would agree with me that Jesus didn't want to go there? Jesus hates sin, hates temptation, hates Satan. And yet the Spirit of God said, this is the next step. You come out. You say, well, that was Jesus, and he did that with Jesus, huh? Same thing happened with Apostle Paul, Acts 20, 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul had been a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was a rising star in the Jewish religious system. He was in that hierarchy, a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the religious body. He was everything. Then he came to faith in Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road and began to preach the cross. And the Jewish leaders hated him for it. And there was a death warrant out for him. And now the Holy Spirit says, all right, it's time to go to Jerusalem. Paul says, okay, I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get there. He had to risk, he had to trust that the Holy Spirit had a purpose for what he was leading him to do. And listen, the Holy Spirit's going to do that in your life too. He's going to test you. He's going to bring you along. Now, here's the great thing is, Paul ultimately went to Jerusalem, had to defend himself, was sent to Rome to stand before Caesar, and over time was actually beheaded for his faith. Didn't turn out humanly very well but it turned out for the glory of God because he was in prison. That's where he wrote many of the great epistles in the New Testament. But he had to trust, and God's going to take you. But you know what he's going to do? You're not going to trust Christ today if you've never trusted Christ, and he's going to have you be beheaded later today. He's not going to do that to you. See, he'll lead you along step by step. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you can't handle, and he won't lead you places that he knows you're not ready to go. And so, now here's the other, the inverse of that is this, that when the Holy Spirit's talking to you and he's challenging you to do something that you're uncomfortable with, you can be sure of this, that you're ready for it. You're ready to face that trial. You're ready to face that illness. You're ready to face that loss of your job. You're ready to face that financial crisis. You're ready to face that relationship. You're ready to face it or he wouldn't take you there. But you still, you've got to trust them. You've got to take the risk. And then as you do, you will mount up with this spirit-filled experience. You know, after I spoke to that flight attendant today, or that day, I got off that airplane, I was walking out of that terminal with my bags, I was walking on the clouds. I was with the angels of God. I was excited because God had used me to make a difference in this woman's life. Listen, if you want to walk on the clouds with angels, you've got to get out of the boat and get in the water. You've got to take the risk. And when you do, I I don't even know how to begin to describe it to you. I was talking with one of my sisters before the service, and she was describing what the Holy Spirit has done in her life, and and we both agreed that until you get to that place, you you can't even describe it to somebody. It it sounds like nonsense. It sounds like craziness. But the Holy Spirit will take you places that are so exciting, no human bottle of booze or, or drug or sex or money could ever get you there. Look what it says. It says, Second Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit wants to make you free from the stuff that drags you down and holds you down and makes you feel guilty and makes you feel shameful and makes you feel depressed. He wants to give you freedom. And sometimes that freedom comes in the valley. Sometimes it comes on the mountaintop. But it's always freedom says in, in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope. By how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. But you can't have that power. You can't walk on those clouds unless you stay connected to the third rail. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is both life, And peace. It's first life because it's the Spirit that draws you to receive the eternal forgiveness of God that He offers to every man and woman. And when we respond to that offer, when we respond to the Holy Spirit drawing us to forget uh, trying to get to heaven on our own good works but trusting in what Jesus did on the cross, then we are given life and life eternal. But then as we stay connected to the Holy Spirit, we're given peace. A life of peace in the midst of trials. The Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. Going through circumstances that would normally destroy us, we walk through them with confidence and with boldness and with faith. Not because we're so strong, but because the Spirit is strong with us. I'll leave you with this. Ephesians five fifteen through 17. Be very wise then how you live. Be very wise then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days, the culture, the society, the philosophy of the world is going to take you to places that will drag you down. So you need to be wise on what decision you make because everything we've talked about is a decision. It's your decision which way you're going to go whether you will surrender, whether you will empty, whether you will connect, whether you will imitate, whether you will trust and take risks. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Is the Lord challenging you this morning take the lid off that jar? You've already taken the lid off. Is he challenging you to purge some things out of your life, to make more room for the Holy Spirit? Is he challenging you to connect to him in a deeper way in some area of your life or to connect at all because you're not connected? Is he challenging you to imitate the faith of others? Or right now, has he been talking to you about taking a risk, about trusting him in some area of your life, and you're not comfortable with it, and you're not going to be comfortable. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. Is he struggling with you, and you've been holding back be very careful how you live let's bow our heads how about it right now the holy spirit is speaking i would dare say to every man and every woman sitting here today now if you've disconnected and you, you went to sleep during the message you may not be but if you connect it with this today i know he is what's he saying And what is your response? What's he saying? And what is your response? It's your choice. Surrender. Empty. Connect. Imitate. Trust. As believers are listening to that voice and making a connection with that voice, that presence in your life, I want to reach out to that man or woman who might be here this morning who's not a believer. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You might even be religious, but you've never established a personal relationship of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And right now, the Holy Spirit is troubling your conscience and bearing witness with your spirit in your soul that you're not ready for eternity. You're not ready to face eternity. You don't know that heaven's going to be your home but you need to, and you want to. While no one's looking around, just so I know if there's anyone with that need or not today. If you know, and right now the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with you that you need eternal forgiveness of your sins, that you need to trust Jesus Christ as your eternal Savior, and I won't embarrass you in any way, would you just slip up your hand and say, I sense that, yes, I see your hand, yes, you can put it down. Yes, I see your hand, you can put it down. The Holy Spirit is speaking with me right now. Yes, you can put your hand down. The Holy Spirit speaking. We're not going to end until he stops speaking. You, you know he's speaking to you right now, just like these who have raised their hand. You know he is. You know the voice. You sense it. Anyone else? All right, for those of you who raised your hand or those who know you shouldn't right now, God wants to give you that gift. He wants to make you a new person. He wants to make you a new creation. He wants to forgive every offense you've ever committed against him and ever will. He wants to adopt you into his family. Say, how do I do it? You just ask. Would you pray something like this? And you can use these words if you like. God, I confess to you that I need your forgiveness. And now I understand that the only way to get that forgiveness is not through what I do, but through what Jesus has already done. Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for sin. And because Jesus was a worthy sacrifice, having never sinned himself, and because he was a willing sacrifice, freely going to the cross, I get it now, God. You've given him alone the authority to forgive sin. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive my sin today. Jesus, pay my sin debt with your blood. Jesus, adopt me into God's family Today, I believe on the name of the Son of God as my eternal Savior. Now, if you humbled yourself before God and you just did that, the Bible says in John 1.12, Yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In First John 5.13, it says, These things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Father, I pray for these wonderful brothers and sisters here today and these who may have just become members of the family of God. Lord, challenge them. Encourage them. The God of all hope, give them hope that there's a better way to live than many of us have been living. Lord, help us to surrender and to empty and to connect and to imitate and to trust and take risk for you so that we can experience walking on the clouds with the angels. That's what you offer us. Don't let us settle for walking through the garbage here on earth. We pray this through the power of Jesus Christ who lives in us. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. Here at Florida Bible Church, we believe the first and most important step in life's journey is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question is, how about you? If you haven't started this relationship, you can use this model prayer. Jesus. I do want to begin a relationship with you. I know that I have sinned against you and cannot save myself. So right now, I ask for your forgiveness of all my sins, and I accept you as my personal Savior, believing that you died on the cross and paid for all my sins. Forgive me now, and please give to me your precious gift of eternal life. Amen. You can find this prayer along with more detailed information on our website at www.floridabible.com. Just click the Beginning a Relationship with Jesus button. There you will also learn more about us and find the next steps for a Christ follower. Thanks again for listening to Living Life with Purpose.